Welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. This episode includes my interview with Jonathan of the Grace Bond Ministries podcast. He was the fourth Jenkins sibling that I interviewed on the Daughters Without Moms podcast. His sharing can be found on episode 30. Then he asked me to share on his podcast. The interview includes some of my views of where God was in my grief journey and things we can do to prepare for our own grief. If you have another topic that you'd enjoy hearing on the podcast, please let me know. You can find my email and other details in the show notes. As always, I sincerely appreciate your continued support of the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Hey, everybody. Jonathan here from uh, Grace Bomb Ministries. Uh, very excited about this podcast today and reviewing Beth. Um, <clears throat> Beth has a uh, Beth, Beth does a lot of work with uh, grief counseling, and she has a podcast called Daughters Without Moms and a website called YourGriefJourney.com. And uh, what we're going to do this, this morning is, uh, is we're going to take a look at uh, what she does and, and uh, what kind of started that and where her passion comes from and, and things like that. And then at the end, we're going to check out the website a little bit. Uh, she's going to share her screen and she's going to show us around her website a little bit. Uh, so, Beth, if you would, just go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. And we'll go ahead and get started. Sure. <clears throat> Thanks for having me today, Jonathan. I appreciate it. And uh, if you didn't know, Jonathan and I met because he shared on my podcast, the Daughters Without Moms podcast. So you can go back and listen to that. He was episode number 30. So um, and he was the fourth sibling in his family to share his story. So like Jonathan said, I have a podcast called Daughters Without Moms. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it's obviously not just Daughters Without Moms because he is a son without a mom. I also have interviewed um, a few other people who just um, have stories of grief or hope or resilience. So the podcast in general is just a place for people to either share their stories um, of their grief journey and or stories of hope and resilience and grace. So um, I started that in January. Um, I came into this work um, last year because um, with the pandemic and everything and just kind of caused me to have a, I don't know if it's a midlife crisis or a shift in my, in my journey. Um, but I mean, actually it started in January because I lost my sister after an almost 10 year battle with cancer and in January of 2020. And then I turned 50 basically the weekend that the country shut down and had lots of time to be at home and think and process my own grief and just realize that I don't feel like we as a culture do a really good job of supporting people in their grief because there is no right way to support anybody in the grief, but it's also not a problem to be fixed. Like, I, you know, the people aren't going to come back. Um, it's not something that's going to go away. So it's more of just, I've learned for myself of just providing space and just listening and being with people in their journey instead of trying to fix it or go through those six stages of grief or something like that. So that's what started it. And um, then I did a program that kind of helped me with this online community because I wasn't really um, good at it. And so I started an Instagram group and a Facebook group and um, have written some, some programs. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm in Pennsylvania. I have three, almost all adult children, 23, 20, and 18. Been married for 25 years this year. So lots to be thankful for. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, like uh, Beth and I have talked about multiple times now, uh, <clears throat> there is there is this idea in the church that 
that uh, that mental wellness and uh, Christianity don't mix. Uh, that basically, and and actually, you know, historically, a lot of people just assume that uh, if you had some kind of mental illness, uh, <clears throat> that it had something to do with uh, demon possession or something of that sort. Uh, especially for some of the, like the more serious things, like schizophrenia and uh, stuff like that. That was that's kind of the idea. And, and uh, <clears throat> schizophrenia may not be the best example, but uh, definitely we're talking about, you know, we're talking about uh, grief, you know, and, and when you lose somebody, you know, a lot of people think, you know, if you'll just uh, read the scriptures and uh, and just meditate on the scriptures, that it'll heal everything. Uh, and I think that would be, that would definitely be part of something I would share with somebody is, hey, why don't you get a little closer to Jesus and read the scriptures and get closer to God? Because I mean, if there's anybody who understands your situation more than anybody else in this world, it'd be God. Uh, <clears throat> and so I would suggest that, but I also would suggest uh, things that are, that are, uh, see, this is where I, I kind of differ with a lot of Christians is, is, uh, is how God revealed things to us. And I think even, even, uh, you know, cause I have, I have a lot of friends and people who are uh, strong Christian people who are Christian psychologists and uh, psychiatrists and, um, <clears throat> and they are, you know, and, and, and what you see is that God has revealed to humankind uh, uh, almost uh, people. This is where people start getting nervous with me. Is, you know, I say he revealed apart from the Bible, uh, but he revealed things to us. And I think psychologists have picked up on those things that God has revealed that are just uh, really what it is, is. It's more that they're discovered. They're natural things that God created that uh, we have discovered and God has taught us. And uh, so then when we get to uh, dealing with grief journeys then uh, <clears throat> we can use those tools that God has given us. So that's why I don't say that these things come from, you know, wherever I say these things still come from God. Uh, last thing that's pretty important. <clears throat> uh, so anyways, <coughs> now that I've went on my rant, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully I'm hoping that'll kind of get some, you know, ruffle that. That's my, I hate to say that, but my, one of my goals is to ruffle feathers. So that way people will start asking questions and stuff. Like, well, you can mm -hmm. and yeah. We'll have, have a little conversation and uh, see. Right. Well, and can I say like, I mean, so I was 13 when I lost my mom and the only people who had ever taken me to church was my grandparents and they threw my sister and I out of their house while my mom was laying in a hospital bed dying. So for like 20 years, I was mad at God because I held my grandparents responsible. I held God responsible for my grandparents' actions. Now, granted, I was also 13. You know, it's not really easy to process things when you're 13. And so as I got older and opened my heart a little bit more and, and was able to, you know, receive the grace that was available for me through God and not from, you know, what my grandparents' actions were, um, it became a little easier to be able to open up my heart again. But I think if people have had a significant loss also at a young age, and if, so I thought for a long time, like, why was I punished? Because I prayed for my mom to get well. I prayed for her not to die. And why were my prayers not answered? And so then in a 13-year-old mind, you know, it's like, so then why was I punished? Because that's what I felt like. And then people said things like, well, everything happens for a reason and God has a plan and he must have needed her more than you. And those were all things that just when you're when you're in the depth of grief, it's just like putting a knife in your back. I did a whole podcast on those. Those are called platitudes. I didn't know they actually had a name. But those things that people say that are those natural responses, I think those commonly used phrases in our culture that you know are supposed to be 
empathetic, sympathetic, whatever you want to call it, are just are not received that way. So, you know, and then you're in your own little, you're in your own little chasm of your grief and your isolation and you're lonely because, you know, your, your mom is gone or whoever you've lost, but that can be a big, like, I want to say to anybody who's listening to this, that if you have had something that put up a wall between you and your spiritual journey, like give it time, don't write it off completely. It took me 20 years. So there's, you know, um, but in the end, I found the only thing that will really help fill the holes of being a human is God, you know? So we can try food, we can try shopping, we can try, you know, all the, the things that we try to do to fill our lives, to make them feel complete. And um, I mean, it's taken me a long time, but I realize, you know, when all else fails, he's the one that I can rely on. So but it took me a long time to be able to trust again. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't brought up in church and I had to, I had this vision of like a condemning God, the, the judging condemning God. And after lots of talks with people at the church where I'm a member, and, and I did finally become baptized when I was 33, um, that I realized, you know, the God, the God that I believe in is a loving God. So that, you know, he didn't cause my mom to die, that he gave us freedom to make choices as human beings when he created Adam and Eve and, and, and gave us choices to be able to make, um, but that he's there with, with you through all the stuff that life throws at you, the good and the bad. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. I've gotten. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I told you too, I was, uh, <clears throat> when, my, when my mom passed away, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't one that was just, uh, I, I don't know, I guess I probably was angry at God a little bit, but uh, most of mine was dealing with doubts. And, and uh, that's why I have such a passion for apologetics, because I think it, uh, I've, I, I don't know if I can say I have a perfect answer, but uh, <clears throat> I have some satisfactory answers or uh, some satisfactory steps towards those answers. So I guess I should say for some of that stuff, but <laughs> um <laughs> But it is, it is, and, and uh, as as a minister, you know, they actually train us that, uh, you know, when we're when we're talking to people about their grief journey, that, uh, you know, they that those people aren't going to hardly hardly anybody is actually going to remember what you say, uh, unless you say something bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, they're going to remember, you know, that you were there, you know, you cared about them, and that kind of thing. Because I I remember uh, in my in my first church, I was a pastor at in Georgia. Uh, a random guy shows up to church on, on the Sunday I was out and he said, uh, I need prayer for my wife and my, my son, he's dying. My wife's dying. Uh, and, uh, we thought he was just there for money. You know, that was kind of our first assumption because he asked for money and, uh, long story short, his son ended up dying. And, uh, I found out when the funeral was showed up at the funeral. And as soon as he found out who I was, then he started asking me questions. You know, why did, why would God take my son away? Uh, and that kind of thing at, at the, it was at the viewing uh, of the funeral, but uh, you know, I could, I just remember uh, that was a, one of the mistakes I made though. I mean, it's the only time I ever saw this guy, I never saw him again. Uh, but uh, I know one of the mistakes I made is trying to sit there, trying to answer those questions. This is when I first started in apologetics and stuff. And I was trying to answer those questions and uh, there was nothing, there was nothing I could have said uh, that would have convinced him that, that it was, uh, it was reasonable that his son was dead. Uh, and I think that's important that, 
uh, like you said, that God is really there for, uh, you know, a lot of times he's there for comfort. Uh, <clears throat> he's there for comfort and he, he does have a plan. He does have an ultimate plan. And uh, even even in death, we see the, the necessity for Jesus Christ and uh, for his return. And it gives us hope for his return and, and uh, hope for the reunion in heaven uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, <clears throat> but it's really cool, though. It's really it's really cool how, how God does interact with uh, grief journeys and uh, mm-hmm. various ways and things. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, so now let's talk about your podcast. Cause here's my hope for anybody listening to this is that uh, if you, if you are looking for help, uh, this is, this could be one of your options to seek help. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, from a, from a great person, Christian person. Uh, <clears throat> so let me see here. Cause we're going to look at your website here in a second, but uh so you kind of talked about this a little bit, uh, but really what's, what's your, what's your passion uh, for doing the podcast? I mean, I know you talked about it. It started in January uh, after your, uh, your sister died, right? Uh, so what, what brings about your passion for the, uh, for the individuals that you work with? I think, I think how it started was um, I did a couple focus groups and talked to some daughters without moms and, you know, tried to see what people's needs were and, and what they were looking for. And I think the podcast is just a place for you to be heard. If you are comfortable with sharing your story. Um, I mean, Jonathan, you did it. I literally mute myself and I just let people share their story of either losing their mom or losing their dad or losing their sister. I've lost all three. So even though it's called daughters without moms, it could be daughters without dads, sisters without sisters. Um, And so I've had several people who, when we get to the end of the podcast and then I stop recording and we kind of do a little offline, um, like we, you know, go through how the, how, how it went, they say, you know, I realize I've never fully told that story from beginning to end because either we weren't allowed to talk about mom after she died or just never had the opportunity. Excuse me. Um, So I think it's just providing that space for people to be heard. um, If, if they feel like they want to share their stories and then the connection that I get, I hear from people when they listen to other people's stories. Like I have one of my most faithful listeners is a farmer who lives about 30 minutes away. Um, his wife is one of my good friends and he listens to it every week. And I think he said, it's just the humanity. Like, he's like, I just love hearing people's stories. I love hearing about their, you know, their journeys. And it's just, it's just humanity is what it is. So um, I had our retired police chief share about losing his wife's ALS I did like a caregiver identity loss with a couple of women that I've interviewed. So it's just, just kind of, and the platitudes one and the platitudes one that I, that I did with talking about those sayings that people say, um, it's about awareness, share, just sharing things, sharing the journeys. Um, because I don't think that there's any right way to grieve. I think just getting as much out there possible for other people to listen to and connect if one if one person listens listens to the podcast and feels like doesn't feel alone anymore, then I feel like that's a that's that's one of my main goals. Yeah, that they just don't feel alone. And I know that worked for uh, my siblings and I because after uh, <laughs> after every podcast, whoever was up that week, we all texted one another and and gave our thoughts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I actually got a few texts saying uh, from my uh, my siblings saying for some reason mine was the most emotional one for them. Ah, <laughs> uh, interesting. For some reason, uh, uh-huh. I think it was, I'm pretty sure that was my older siblings because they were. I think they were just emotional because they weren't. They didn't check on me. You know, I talked about people not checking on me and and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, but it was pretty cool. And, and uh, we're actually planning on doing a Zoom call like this, uh, so hopefully in the future, sometime soon, and uh, get all of us on here and go through the events together. Uh, oh, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know uh, I know one thing. I, I'll never forget this. And uh, <clears throat> and it's just, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't just apply to siblings, but uh, to people in general, you know, when you're going through grief, to not go through it alone. Uh, there was a there was a lady. I was at a wedding for with one of my wife's friends, and this teacher uh, came up to us and asked about my mom or something. She didn't know anything, and I said, "Actually, my mom passed away." And she's like, "Oh." The next question she said was, "Do you have siblings?" And I said, uh, "Yeah, I've got three siblings." And she said, uh, "That's the one thing I wish I had when my parents passed away was siblings mm-hmm. and somebody mm-hmm. that was going through that with me." So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never mm-hmm. forget that. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah. So, oh, what? So what about the what about the website? How long has the website been going uh, that you wrote? So I so like I kind of started all this stuff in the fall, but I was still working part time at, at my <clears throat> at my my job, um, and I gave my notice there and finished in December. Um, and so luckily, I have a very supportive husband who said, you know, yeah, let's do this for a year. You you know, do your thing, put it out there, see what happens. Um, and so I probably, and maybe the website started in November or December, um, but I've done it all myself so far. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that's the, you know, the learning curve has been um, <laughs> significant, but I love to learn. So uh, I, you know, Google is my friend. <laughs> yeah, right. If you guys watch this podcast, you know that, you know, I'm definitely in some learning phases <laughs> I, I found yeah. a uh, actually I found a new software for uh, recording live and okay. uh, but it's not it's not very smooth yet but you, so you can see some of my transitions and stuff and and uh, and you know when you're live there's nothing you can really do about it so right <clears throat> but yeah. also gives me an excuse to be lazy and not edit it either so <laughs> <laughs> well you know what one of the things I learned from that program I did in the fall was that it's okay to be a C student you know, yeah. <laughs> messy, messy action is better than no action. All right. So we're showing up, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it is interesting, especially, you know, in the year we've had people quarantine and stuff like that. And uh, I, I don't know. I have a hurting statistics. I don't know if you have, but I would imagine that podcast and YouTube and, and that kind of thing is probably growing a lot in the last year or so with people being at home on the Internet more. <laughs> I've heard in some ways it has grown, but that listening has declined because people aren't commuting. People weren't yeah. like a lot of people would listen to it in their cars on their way to work. And while they weren't commuting, they weren't listening. So both yeah. sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> so let me ask you uh, this one last question and then I'll take a look at the website. If that's all right with you. Sure. Uh, so uh, question five there. What, what is, so what's some advice that you would give people uh, going through grief and, uh, and even in, and uh, also, you know, what about ones that aren't, that aren't in the grief and uh, grieving right now, but uh, you know, are there ways they can prepare or what's, what's some things that you've learned over doing this uh, that you could share with people? 
Um, I think to the people <clears throat> who are going through grief, I think, I think just to know that, um, that there's no right way to do it, that just like every single person is individual, their grief journeys are individual. But I think the most important thing is to allow yourself to feel it, to not push it away or ignore it. Or, you know, if you're sad, it's okay to be sad. And also to realize that sometimes you can have two emotions at the exact same time. I feel like I was kind of brought up like either you're happy or sad, but you can feel joy and loneliness all at the same time because like my niece is here and this week was the year and a half anniversary of my sister's passing. And so we went and got, we were out and about and my sister's favorite flower was sunflowers. And so we were at Trader Joe's and they had some sunflowers. I was like, let's get them, let's get them for Amy. And so in that moment, it's the joy of saying, you know, we're doing, we're recognizing and missing her and loving her and are thankful for these beautiful sunflowers, but there's, you know, the pain of that she's not here with us to enjoy it. Um, but I think I've always felt like you could only have one or the other. You couldn't have both at the same time, but that's not true. You can most certainly feel joy and sadness all at the same time. And especially after loss, a lot of those events will bring up both emotions at the same time. Um, and just, you know, give yourself time and space. And like I've said, I don't think there's any right way to grieve. I don't think, I think those like six stages of grief are correct, but I don't think that you go through them in any certain order and then are done. I think, I don't think you get over grief. Um, so one of my things on, on the website, when we get to that is about learning how to grow with your grief because it's, it's not going to go away, you know, and also you're not the same person you were before because you, you couldn't possibly be because a portion of your life has changed and it's not going to go back to that way. So this thing about, you know, people talk about like getting back to normal and things like that. Well, there, there is no normal anymore. You know, when your mom is gone and your dad or your dad is gone or your sister is gone, things are different. Um, and you're different um, because of the impact that the loss has had on you. So you know, no real concrete stuff, except for just to allow yourself to, to, to feel it, um, to name it. And like, you know, from the, your podcast where you said, you know, get help, talk to others, you know, find, find somebody who is a trusting friend that you can share your stuff with. And, you know, if somebody is, is not just listening. So my husband is great. And, you know, like I said, we've been married for 25 years and I lost my mom before I met him, but then my dad passed in 2018 and then my sister in 2020. And over the years, I've told him like, like sometimes I, I need to just tell you things and I don't need you to fix it, which I think is like the male standard thing is to try to fix things when there's a problem. Right. And so if I'm telling him I'm sad or this and that, you know, I'm like, sometimes I just want you to listen and I don't need you to fix it. I just want you to listen. And he's actually gotten it. Like sometimes I can see, um, you know, like I'd be having a, you know, a time where I'm missing my sister or something like that. And I'm telling him about it and I'm usually crying or something. I can literally see like the smoke coming out of his head because he's trying to stop those gears you know, from going to, to stop. Okay. Don't say it. Just listen. Don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's, you know, he's, but he wouldn't have learned that if I hadn't, you know, been vulnerable and said, you know, this is what I need. So you've got to, you know, find a safe place where you can share your grief and your truth 
you know, trying to cover it up and making everything sugar and spice and everything nice is not, is not, you know, what you need. You need to be able to, to speak how you're feeling and, and just have it be received without trying to be fixed. Um, and I was telling you before we started recording, like that was one of the problems that I had with church for, well, for about 20 years. Um, but was that we, you know, try to show up on Sunday morning with, you know, everybody's dressed nice and their hair's combed and like, you know, you've got it all together. And if any place it should be that we should just be like, oh my gosh, I'm so broken and I need help and this is going wrong and that's going wrong. Um, you know, I think the tides are turning a little bit with that. Like you and I have talked about that it's, it's becoming more, um, uh, normal to be able to talk about the, the hard stuff. Um, but I think that that is a place where we could, you know, possibly do a little bit better of supporting people when they are in those, those deep, hard moments that are hard to talk about because there is no answer and there is no, you know, way to make it right. Um, and then, so others who are not going through, so do you mean like people who are supporting others that are going through grief or, um, just like, uh, I was, I was more, I'd be good too, but I was, I was more thinking about, uh, and this is, you know, this is a lot of what I do is trying to prepare people because, uh, you know, you know, that these, these things are coming in your life. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. a scary thing to think about. And, uh, we all know that they're coming though. Uh, you know, it's like me, you know, we lost our mom, you know, but it, you know, we still got grandparents and, and aunts and uncles and, and our dad, I mean, siblings, I mean, you never know what's going to come, you know? Uh, so what would you suggest for people so that, you know, at least in the, at least they're, they're have a, uh, they're prepared, you know, uh, you know, like I, I would talk about, you know, we already talked about this before, but, uh, and really maybe it overlaps a little bit, you know, the same stuff that you would do while you're grieving. If you know that stuff before you're grieving, then that way, when you're grieving, that's the stuff you need to, you need to try to do and, and, uh, reach out to do and reach out for and reach out for somebody that can, that you can talk to and that kind of thing. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah. Um, I guess what I, I, you know, some of the things you could do. So these are the things that I've learned from losing my mom when I was 13. I tell people how I feel about them. Like my, my oldest daughter just turned 23 and I wrote her this whole letter about how our relationship is transitioning to, you know, adult, an adult relationship. Like I'll always be her mom, but I don't need to like, I want to respect her being an adult and how our relationship is going to change um, based on that. And I always will tell people what they mean to me and that I love them. Um, and I think probably for me, a lot of that is because, like, I don't have anybody to share stories of, like, from when I was a kid anymore because both of my parents are gone. My only sibling is gone. You know, I have a couple of aunts and an uncle um, that are, that are still around, but I don't see them very often. So I guess maybe, you know, think about the things that are important to you and like what your legacy would be. Um, and I, there's this great online tool called StoryWorth that I have both of sets of grandparents doing this year where they get sent a question every week and the, um, people submit their answers. And at the end of the year, you get a book. So it's kind of like, you know, the story of grandmom and pop-up kind of thing. Um, 
So I guess I would say, you know, whatever the, whatever the kind of things are that are meaningful to you, you know, maybe for some people it's art, maybe for some people it's music. I think for your brother, Raymond, who was, like, was a music kind of guy where that was his thing, you know, think about how those things could be beneficial to your journey before the journey gets to that point. You know, like, I think we, we spend a lot of time like, oh, I'll just wait till I'm 10 pounds lighter or I'm, you know, have 10,000 more dollars or I'm in the McMansion kind of thing. You know, no, do it now. Do what you need to do now. Say the words that you need to say now. I love music too. I'm a John Mayer. Say what you need to say kind of thing. Um, All you need is love is my other one from the Beatles. Uh, But, you know, I think you don't wait to be you or do you, um, you know, if you haven't had anything in your life that shows you that life is short, it'll be too late if you wait. And I've had a lot of things that have told me that life is too short. So I think that's kind of what, you know, was the impetus that got me into this journey of what I'm doing now. That is a, you know, kind of an off topic question popped through my head though. Uh, I wonder, and, and, uh, I'm thinking about the people I've talked with too, but uh, I'm wondering, have you, have you seen that a lot with people that you talk to that, uh, it seems like regret is the biggest thing that's that's hindering their their grief journey. Yeah, there is a lot of that, and um, there's something about the so I mean, you don't have a child yet, but I know you have one on the way. Girls and moms, and usually in like the early teenage, sometime teenage years, tend to go through this period of tension. And at several of the women that I've interviewed if their mom like passed while they were still young, they carry around a lot of guilt about, I should have done this, or I should have been a nicer teenager. I wish I wouldn't have fought with her so much. Um, so yeah, I would totally agree that I think that, that the regret and the guilt is something that can, um, can be carried around for a long time. And the thing that I've, <clears throat> I can think of the one girl specifically, Jamie, um, I said, you know, you can't, you can't judge your 13 year old self with your 32 year old brain. You know, when you're 32 years old and you're looking back at what happened when you were 13, you have a different set of circumstances and a different, you know, knowledge and different life um, events that have shaped who you are versus when you were 13. And just dealing with losing a mom when you're 13 is a huge, you know, huge, devastating, traumatic event. So you can't look back on that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you can't judge yourself by your old brain, you know, with your newer, older brain back to what you did when you were 13, because it's just not, it's not fair. And most of us were doing the best we could. <clears throat> so, yeah. Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> that's what I was going to say too, is I, I was thinking about all the people I, I've talked to and, uh, you know, they, they've lost a loved one or something and, uh, especially like you were talking about with the teenagers. I mean, they just, you know, they, they assume that, you know, especially, I think a lot of people do this though, that the very last thing they said is what that person was going to remember for all of eternity or something, you know? Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I, I thought about that for a long time because I remember just the, the Sunday, the uh, Sunday before my mom died, uh, before she went to the hospital, she had asked me to get her a water, uh, go get her some water from the church fountain. And uh, I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's stupid or something. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, I, I highly doubt though, throughout that last week of her life, she really cared if, you know, if, if I got her water or not, or, and I'm sure she's probably not dwelling on that now, mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so it's, it's almost, it's just crazy. The kinds of thoughts that pop into our head that 
that are just they're just tearing us apart and uh it's not it's not even it's not even that big of a deal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i think about that a lot though with uh helping people you know prepare for that kind of thing and and uh and i i'm not one to, you know I'm, I'm not really saying that the uh the verbatim answer is in scripture but when you when you read scripture and you you follow the things of scripture like when you you know you love other people you treat uh you treat other people with respect uh and and that kind of thing you know if you follow those kinds of things and and you treat people well you have a good integrity with people then then uh, no matter what happens you know you'll know that that you were doing the right thing to the best of your ability you know nobody's mm-hmm. perfect but you're doing the best to, of your ability and mm-hmm. uh, that's important especially for like ministers and, and counselors and that kind of thing because uh, you know how it is you're talking to somebody and you're like oh man i hope i said the right thing you know uh, but, yeah. but you know that you you tried and uh, and uh, that you did it from from a, a good spot in your heart and that kind of thing. And and as long as the integrity is strong, uh, then the rest That's of right. it can yeah the rest of it can uh, it will it would be a lot easier to deal with. <laughs> I remember you saying that in my pot and when I interviewed you, you said I've learned how to live in my integrity. And I think that they you know if you can stand in that and go to bed each night with a clear conscience, you know that's. So, best we can strive for, you know, we are yeah. not perfect and we are going to make mistakes, but if we're trying to operate out of a place of best intention, then, you know, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes that takes some apologies. <laughs> it does. It you does. My older sister about that one. <laughs> we had a heck of a yelling match, but you know, uh. like I said, if you, if like the scriptures say, you know, if you got a, if you got a problem like that and you go and you deal with the situation one-on-one or ask for help, if you need it, and yeah. uh, you move forward. And then, and at worst, you agree to disagree, but at least you've, yeah. you know, I feel like when you don't, when you don't voice and get those things out into the open, you know, when you hold them inside and we all make up the, those stories in our head and then we can, we can find what we want to see, right? Like if you and Danielle had something happened and, <clears throat> and you don't talk about it, like the next time you would see her, interact with her, you can make that stuff up because you can find what you're looking for. And then it just, festers and snowballs and turns into something way more than it should, even though it is, you know, take that five, 10 minutes to have the hard conversation, but then it's out in the open. And then if you get to the end and you're same place you were, you say, well, I guess we can agree to disagree and still love and respect each other. And specifically with grief. I mean, I'm sure my sister wouldn't mind sharing this, but you know, when, when my mom died, my sister, you know, she was the older sister. And uh, so she assumed that she had to take on the mother role for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, a month or two months after my mom passed away, I, I didn't need anybody to take on that role, you know? Uh, but did we ever sit around and talk about it? You know, we just, she would try to be the mother. I would get angry or my brother would get angry, my little sister or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> I don't remember my little sister get angry about it, but uh, you know, we just get angry, but we would never talk about it and uh, cause all kinds of problems. <laughs> And that's such a natural thing that happens too. Everybody tries to fill that missing role. But um, if you actually talked about it with each other, you'd probably say, oh, no, I don't need you to do that. Thanks. Yeah, right. Which would re- leave the stress on both of you. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> that's good stuff. So uh, now let's go over to the, uh, to the website. Uh, here, I'll pause the, uh, I'm going to pause the live stream real quick. And well, I'm not live streaming, but I'll pause the recording and uh, we get on there. Okay, so we're on the uh, we're on Beth's website here. This is called yourgriefjourney.com, yep. and uh, she's going to walk through some things and uh, <laughs> about what's on here and and uh, what things are on here for you to check out. Yeah. 
Um, so yes, so your grief journey, living with grief and reclaiming yourself, that's kind of the part I talked about, about that your identity changes after loss because you're not the same person. So this is just, you know, kind of goes through my beliefs about grief, which I think I've probably made pretty, pretty apparent in how you and I have been talking. Um, and here, you know, we didn't talk about this a lot. We, you talked about regret, but I believe shame also can be a, a big part of a grief journey when you are not given the right proper space to be able to share your, your, your thoughts and your grief and stuff. Um, so I did write a program called Permission, Permission to Grieve and Permission to Grow. And I have all these awesome GR words that I love using grace, grit, and gratitude to grow with grief. And so, um, it, like it says, it's your, they're designed to give you space to acknowledge your loss in a safe place, learn tools to live with grief, and then finish with that deeper understanding of who you are um, now that, that your whole uh, normal has changed. So <clears throat> the first program is called Permission One, and that's the permission to grieve part. And it's uh, for six weeks. We meet once a week uh, online over Zoom. And then I assign the people that are part of the program into accountability groups, <clears throat> and they meet a few days later and go over their, their homework. There is assignments every week um, just because I'm, I'm an action-oriented kind of person. I like to you know, put the things into action. So they uh, meet once a week with their accountability group to share their homework and go over their homework. It's like three to four people per group so that there's enough time for people to do that. Um, and so there's an outline of, the, of what's included in it. And then permission two would be um, permission to grow. And that's where we talk about naming, you know, like your, um, your um, hooks and triggers and your um, limiting beliefs and things like that. And then developing your own plan of action on how to grow with your grief. Because like I said, it's not going to go away. It's going to come back. You're going to, those waves and ebbs and flows of the tides of grief are going to continue to be a part of your life. So it's more of identifying, you know, how do you know when it's showing up? And if you have like a specific set of tools that you can reach for to try to, um, to deal with your grief. So, um, and then I, you know, kind of talked about why, why this program would be applicable for anyone. And so then I've just started offering this one-to-one -one coaching too. Like I like group settings um, because, you know, my mom's been gone for 38 years. So it's not <clears throat> difficult for me to, to talk about it and to, to share the journey, but there's been people who have requested doing one-to-one -one coaching. So the six-week program is literally the same, same content, but just done on a one-to-one -one basis. And then the three-month program is the same thing with the six weeks of content but in between each week of content, we'd also meet and we would do the implementation part together um, live and, and over Zoom. So it's more of having a deeper um, sense of accountability with the, with the program too. So also you can choose just a single session coaching if you would like to um, do one of the areas like the grief or the grid or the, I think I have them, yeah those three, four aspects up there. So somebody could choose to just do one of those if they would like. And then there's testimonials from people who have finished the program and um, you know what their takeaways were from the program and what they liked about it. So 
So at the bottom here, it says click here to schedule a connection call. I absolutely am happy to jump on the phone with anybody who would just like to connect and talk and ask any questions about it and see if there's a, you know, to see if there's a connection, if you're going to work with somebody that you, you need to feel comfortable and that you have a connection with someone. So um, that's something that I offer. And so I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. I consider myself more of a grief coach. Um, just using all of the material that I've curated, curated over the years um, that has worked for me over the past 30 plus years. I mean, probably really, I've really been more um, active in this in the past probably 12 or so years. Um, the, the job that I worked in before was for a family business consulting firm and was part of a women's leadership lab. And um, so lots of tools and, and things I learned from working at that firm. Um, have helped me in my grief journey. So um, that just gives some information about me. And then there's links to the podcast on here. So I think the podcast is a good place to start if anybody's listening to this and they think they're interested or, you know, want to kind of see a little bit more of what it's about. Listen to a couple of the podcasts. Jonathan's is there, the most recent number 30, and then his sister's 29. And I think I have all the links to all your siblings in your, in the notes for your podcast. So um, and then I just have, you know, done a few little blogs on some um, ideas and things that have resonated with me. So that's another way that you could go on there and read some, some things that I've written to see, um, you know, kind of what, what my thoughts are and what my journey has been. So. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> now, uh, uh, are you, are you charging for any of this? Yes, okay. I am. Mm -hmm. I think there's a link to, I think on the, uh, let's see. I'm in the midst of, of updating everything here because I just added the, uh, the six week, the coaching thing. So I hope, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So the six week program is a thousand dollars. Yeah, so there's links on there that if somebody would want to, to get more information, if they follow the link, it'll take them to more details about what, what's included in the program. All right, cool. So that is, uh, that's yourgriefjourney.com. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really awesome what, uh, what Beth's doing and uh, getting people to, uh, to really, I'm sure you probably run into a lot of people just maybe, uh, I've met people that probably have, have lost a loved one, you know, 20, 30 years ago and, and, uh, and still haven't grieved at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm sure you run into that a lot. And so it's, it's cool that uh, you're getting people to uh, open up and, and uh, start dealing with these things and thinking about these things. Uh, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool work. And it's, and I also know, you know, it's very rewarding work, you know, you see somebody that uh, you know, I've talked to people ready to kill themselves one day and the next day, walk around with a smile on their face, you know, it's a, wow. it's, a it's an awesome feeling mm -hmm. uh, seeing that. All right. You have any, uh, any final thoughts you'd like to add? Um, no, I mean, I guess the one thing I was thinking about, um, you know, is just, so, you know, my mom has been gone for 38 years and they say that you can teach from a scar, but not from a wound. So, you know, that's one thing to think about too on the timelines of your grief journey. You know, if you're lost, like my sister is still an open wound for me. It's just been a year and a half and, and I can talk about it, but I miss her so much that it just is, it's not as easy for me to, 
look at it from a kind of, you know, third party perspective, whereas my mom's been gone for more years than I knew her, you know, I had 13 years with her and 38 years without her. So, so just to think about that too, you know, when you hear other people talking about their grief, you know, it also depends on your timeline um, and how your loss happened. And, you know, there's just all kinds of things that go into it. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's more of a scar for me with my mom at this point. So it's easier for me to talk about, but that doesn't mean that it's easy for everybody to talk about. And, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. But I did realize, so losing my sister made me go back to process my mom because I never really did. We never really did. You know, we were 13, we got thrown into cleaning out the house and going back to school. I think I remember Rebecca talking about that. You know, you go back to school and it's not something that everybody talks about when you're 13 years old because nobody really gets it and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. So, so I did go back to my mom, you know, 37 years later. So one of my, uh, one of my favorite things in high school was as uh, when people didn't know my mom died and they would, they would make a yo mama joke. And, uh, and then when I told them my mom died, they would, they had no idea what, how to respond. And so I just kind of started using it as like a game and to mess with them. And, <laughs> and uh, their, their yo mama joke didn't make it as far as my, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, and, uh, thank you all for watching. I hope you find this uh, beneficial and, uh, It'd be awesome if, if anybody wants to reach out to Beth and be on her podcast and share your journey or uh, be a part of the, the program, the permission program, and uh, just look into some of that stuff or check out her blogs and, and all that kind of thing. Because uh, if you watch Grace Bomb Ministries, you know, that's not that's not my main thing here, but uh, it's definitely something I'll talk about off and on. Uh, but uh, Beth's doing some great work and, and uh, I can at least say for my family that she's brought us closer together just by letting us share our stories. So awesome. uh, yeah, so it, it's, uh, it's awesome stuff happening. Thanks, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>